Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. Some good news to start off, Cheddar. So the GEA are streaming the Joe McDonough Cup game. So we got what we were complaining about. Um, and it's on GEA now. So the Offaly Antrim game is going to be streamed on GEA now this weekend with commentary teams um, and a whole lot. So that's fantastic. And the final is going to be shown on live on TG Cahir. So listen, this is all we've been asking for to show the Tier 2 in hurling the respect that it deserves because it's a Tier 2 and God knows there's only 10 Tier 1 teams. So it's not like it's not like we're gone down to the 25 to 30 teams here, Cheddar. It's number 10 to 15 and they, they deserve that that coverage uh, look they all do Willie, really um, you know we wouldn't want to just mark out the Christy Rings and, and the other competitions there either um, look it's a positive um, initiative um, you know probably under a lot of pressure from a lot of people um, including yourself Willie, here <laughs> um, putting pressure on it and, and uh, you know getting it out there um, but look uh, uh, whereas you know look I'll praise the, the initiative but it's you know simply not enough any extent of how to develop and promote the games in this county if the objective here is to bring these counties back up to Leinster or Munster uh, competition performance um, these are critical factors in terms of development of the game and in those counties and it would be totally insufficient um, you know I, I, I really really welcome it um, but you know you probably have to ask is it was it was it due to pressure or was it due to some strategic thinking within the GA I probably think it was the former and there's a needs to be an awful lot more work done here in, 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 if the objective is to bring you know 
want is five or six teams or whatever is in uh, Joe McDonough and teams underneath that as well let's not forget there are other teams there you know working really really hard under that level as well um, up to it to the level to be able to perform at the top and like that's you know that's not a one two three year plan that may be very well be a 10 15 20 year plan um, I think somebody maybe Ali Moore mentioned it during the week um, that you know the GA needs to be looking at this and this is a critical part of that the I suppose the showcasing of your uh, county team within your own county to be able to um, I suppose invigorate and motivate young people to play the game is crucial to the development of that game it is make it more prestigious and have yeah. the county team on television and make it look like it's important and young people will want to will want to play I just on that talking about young players wanting to play I saw the Leash Minor hurlers on TG Cahir, um on Monday night and they gave Westmead an awful beating I'm incredibly excited about this minor team Cheddar now uh, uh, Westmead maybe weren't at the races but Jesus they had some great players they had an O'Shocknessy fella there they had uh, from Balnakil they had uh, a Cuddy wing forward number 12 Ty Cuddy from Castletown who looked brilliant did a load of players now I don't know I know highlights can be misleading but Jesus this looked like a brilliant leash minor hurling to, as good as I've ever seen Yeah no they're a little bit misleading I, I think this may very well be just a week a year in Westmead uh, Woolly but it is look as Leash people were absolutely delighted with it. Um, some of these young players have fair pedigree, by the way. Um, you know, Shockneys and Ballin Killer are noted to hurling for a long time, and and Cuddies and and Dooleys. Um, you know, they're all they're all um, all relations there. And Duggins, but not the Port Leash Duggins. Yeah, uh, um, yes, true. Um, but but I, I'd actually say what's really um, encouraging about that team, I stand corrected here, but I think there might be only one or two of them at, at, at best that are over age next year. Um, look, if I was a betting man and I was go- looking for long odds at the minute, um, I'd be looking for that Leash Minor team to do very, very well yesterday, uh, very, very well next year. A lot of people are working strongly, the likes of Seamus Dooley and, and, you know, former Leash hurlers are working very, very strong on the ground. Uh, we, I think we took our eye off the ball again in for a couple of years there, um, but I think that the development work is starting to start happen again I think Pat Critchley was the spearhead of that for a, for a good number of years um, and you know the current team is probably a product of that um, whereas it started starting again and you know great credit to End the Lions and his management team as well he's got a close management team and, and, and a very you know v- you know very inexperienced an team of how to deal with these with that age group and that and uh, you know you, you, you simply cannot beat hard work on the ground and doing the right things with teams to, to try to move them on so there's there is inc- there's encouraging signs um, in Lee's her and um, you know you just need to really keep the nose to the grindstone now I suppose and work really really hard with them over the next couple of years yeah so it's Wexford Leash Miners play next week um, so keep your eye out for that if you're just one, if you're just uh, looking out for results um, Leash Minor Hurlers and definitely next year according to Cheddar this, this crowd I, know, I, I, I think so there, there is some some very uh, technically gifted young players that's what I thought yeah, yeah. very skillful uh, fellas which uh, and look you will go nowhere without that of course you need the mix and I'd even say more than that I'm obviously wearing a leash hat here Woolly um, I'd say every leash you know hurling supporter get behind a minor team it means a lot uh, particularly these games because there may not be a huge amount of people at it and just having support there to them means a lot to the young players yeah exactly right we'll, we'll move off that in case people think this is a leash <laughs> podcast uh, well, every uh, chance we get Woolly <laughs> <laughs> so Davy Fitz got off with a warning well it looks like he's getting off with a warning so he's just been reported for an encroachment and not abusive language which he said afterwards he hadn't used 
So a warning looks like it's going to be the most likely um, outcome from the CCCC. Fair enough, Cheddar, you think? It's just Davy being Davy. Nothing serious in it. It's just we and Brian were talking on Monday that he admitted before that he did it to rally his team up against Tipperary that time. So like Brian Lohan, interestingly, was talking. He was doing a Croke Park Legends tour and he was saying, I don't know if it's genuine passion. We're all passionate about the game, but we don't. We show it in different ways. So, you know, he has the way he does things and people have to kind of fit into that. So we know, Brian, there's no love loss between Brian Lowe and, and Davy Fitz. Reading between the lines there, Brian is kind of saying that that's all a bit of an act. Um, I think he might be onto something. I'm not going to comment on <laughs> Brian and Dave. He looked at their personal differences between the two people themselves, and and a lot of, both of them have given a massive amount of hurling here. Um, I think people have missed a point with Davy, to be honest with you, uh, Wooly. Um, I think Do- Davy knows very well what he's doing yeah. and uh, does these things deliberately. And the timing and do- you know when he does them, um, you know, are for effect for his team. And you know that's all he's doing is trying to gain an edge for his team here. Um, and you know, I, I, I think Davy knows well that there's swings and roundabouts. That you know, one of his players will get fouled, and I'll be damn sure that you know one of his players will foul somebody else as well. And um, I'm sure Davy won't be up jumping up and down screaming about that. Um, so I, I, I think he knows well. Um, um, what's, what's, there's a, all managers do different things um, in terms of putting light pressure on the referee uh, or on the officials. Um, you know, everybody's trying to gain an edge here, and you know, one of the more clever ones I. I you learn as you go along and one of the more clever ones I saw with a, a very very experienced and all Ireland winning manager was he would simply just walk out at half time to the referee and quote statistics whether they were true or not I don't know the number of threes <laughs> he got and the number he got in the scoring area and that and he just left it he just left it there or as the snowflakes say now we'll, we'll just let it out there and of course the referee going in at half time was bound to ask God am I giving a lot of frees here against and so on so on you can just think of how that would play out that's a very good idea um, isn't it uh, a and that would be subtly done that wouldn't even be picked up on the cameras probably no, would it? No, not at all, no. Um, and look, this is the level we're going to. Managers would um, man-mark you, the other manager on the other sideline. You go to the referee and guarantee you, you will have somebody from the opposite management team on your shoulder just checking what you're saying. And that. Um, there's one other little thing, though, Willie, that's, that is interesting here. Um, you know, David doesn't need anybody to give him advice on this. He's a very, very experienced man and a very, very intelligent man, knows exactly what he's doing here. Um, but, you know... The other management team could play this to their advantage as well. You know, they could have the hurley carrier, or I don't know, the, the somebody within his management team, down standing beside Davy and riling him up. Because when you're emotional like that, you know, you're not making rational decisions. You're not making, you know, rational structural decisions or, tact- or tactical decisions. And these are very, very high pressured games. You know, it could have ten thousand people behind you. It was in Galway last weekend. In Wexford, it'll be even more the next day. Um, so you know, th- it could be played back on on Davy as well that you know somebody could actually t- turn the, the the show around on himself and you know then trying to deal with these things with somebody else you know screaming in your ear um, mightn't be helped the leader um, but I, I think people just need to know what's going on here and you know just I mean fourth officials and referees and all of that don't react to it because that's exactly what he's looking for here he's looking for a spark to spark his team here and, and, and look this has happened uh, certainly the performance in Tipperary in Kilkenny improved um, against Tipperary now I, I wouldn't agree with what David did that in terms of getting involved with the player physically and all of that that probably crosses the line I wouldn't say me. he meant that initially going out I agree with that no I don't think he did and 
and um, uh, but all of the other stuff. Th- this we're getting edges here, um, you know, as the staying in the American football. It's you know it's a game of inches here, and they all matter. Um, and you know Davy will get an edge somewhere if that's to motivate his team or re-energise his team. And it worked, and it worked in Galway last Sunday. Um, you know he may be sent up to the stand, but the players sort of saw that. Look, this this guy is fighting for our cause here. We better raise our game here. But as I say, it could be turned the other way against you as well. If you get highly emotive like that and you're emotionally charged, you're unlikely to make you know good d- decisions because you're, you're, you're a little bit blinded by the emotion that's going on around you. Derek McGrath was talking in the examiner, he had a good piece in the examiner and he was talking about the fourth official and he was saying although I'm out of it um, less than a year, I was struck by the number of times I conversed with a linesman or fourth official in the most conciliatory tone possible and they only say to you I can't give it Derek, I'm not the referee so you wonder, like, what's the point in even berating this fourth official, he's no power uh, well, to do anything, you, you, like I mean you're ju- basically you're just trying to vent really isn't isn't that all? Like, I mean, well, well, this is it's, it's for show for the players in the field, right. really, really. But there's other parts to that. Like, um, you're right. The fourth official doesn't. Uh, I'm pretty sure is not wired up to the referee. The linesmen are. Um, you know, if I have something to say, I'll be saying it to the linesman on his way by me or something like that. Um, you know, because they do uh, um, speak to one another and that. Um, but the, you know, bear in mind that the fourth official can add. I think according to rule, he can add to the referee's report. He is there to observe what's going on around the place. That's his job. Um, you know, so if he was to put something down that you know worked against you, and and you know you missed a couple of games, well, you know you might win a, a small fight on the day and lose the battle over two or three games. You know, so you just need to be careful what you're doing here. Um, and I, I actually think if I, I'm just going on memory here and I could be wrong, I think the fourth defence official was Brendan Murta from West Mead, if I'm correct. I think it was the same man who was belonged to Kenny. Now I stand corrected on that. Um, <laughs> so maybe Davy and, and, and if it is, if that is the case, maybe Davy you know, has a bit of a personal difference with him. I don't know. <laughs> Even though he can't do anything. Did yeah. Derek McGrath mentioned something else in the examiner piece. And I thought it was very interesting and we mentioned Pat Critchley there and coaching the young fellas up through and like I've never come up through the hurling underage ranks Cheddar so apparently Derek was saying that you're taught, you, you hammer into the young lads two hands on your hurley when you're rising it and that's been the traditional way to do it and he said that in the all Ireland final in 2017 there were only two pickups in the whole game performed under pressure with two hands on the hurley so like is that traditional is the skill moved on so far now that young, young fellas when they're being coached are going to have to from an early age learn how to do it with one hand rather than two I had to notice no doubt about that um, Woolly by the way it's disgraceful that you didn't you weren't coached in hurling in, <laughs> in your younger years um, but yeah no I, I think the, the game has moved on look there are certain uh, situations where you probably need to do the two hand in a rook ball where you're getting planted to two feet over the ball um, you know you'll, right, you'll more than likely work two hands on the hurley at that stage so you're not knocked off the ball or the ball you don't spill the ball easily but 90% of the time you are going at pace to the ball you take it with one touch to the hand and you do not break stride and you go forward all players have that quality now so I, yeah. I absolutely agree with Derek and I, I often remember having the chat with Pat you, you just mentioned Pat Chrisley, um it would be fantastic innovative coaching for hurling uh, we would often talk about look the day of putting the two hands in the hurley and I hear it shouted off of banks and stands so that's much that's the old drive it in and all those without ones without a doubt yeah, yeah, yeah clear your lines and drive it and uh, two hands in the hurley and that uh, 
two hands in the hurley and I can guarantee you every county player in the co- county will be 20 yards gone by you by the time you get the two hands in the hurley um, so I think we need to coach that and look it's, it's a specific skill but the game is all about speed and pace you slow down that or slow down coming into the ball to get your two hands or something like that in the hurley and you're bending over and all of that look you're going to give the possession away very quickly I think at, at county level anyway Wait, In the absence of coaching down through the years Cheddar when would players actually kind of start the players would just realise themselves would they or would they, you know you take it upon yourself at 16 maybe to say look Jesus I'm going to have to start doing that or is it just at the really young ages is the two hands on the hurley obsession or is that right like when do they re- relax on that well, I, I think look it, it's certainly a good point for a coach's discussion Willie because I probably think it is probably as good to start off you know the very young at the nursery and that to start off with two hands on the hurley because it disciplines them in terms of getting possession into the hand and that and there probably would be a good, good discussion and it's certainly like to give a little bit more thought around that yeah. but certainly once you get into adult level and once you get 16, 17 you know most of the possessions to be one for you is sprinting a pace into the ball take the ball to hand not break stride sprint and deliver or whatever you want to do with possession at that stage and you know you ask a question that's an interesting one actually Willie because I think most players do pick it up as they go along Um, there's not a huge amount of code you you sort of expect well you expect players at county level to know that and to to be really really skilled in that and real real quickness Um, you know do they pick that up themselves probably pick up a lot of it themselves in terms of ball wall stuff and all of the little skills that they do themselves Um, we probably don't coach a huge amount of it um, unless we're concerned about the team that it's not quick enough to the ball or or something like that we probably would do it at that stage but there's probably not a huge amount has done in that a lot of the skill I picked up in football down through the years was just myself just seeing it on telly or thinking geez that worked for me there and just mm. trying to think why that worked you know turning and you know doing different things with the ball or well you you know, the, 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 the experts I suppose are the um the experts would say that that's the best learning you know that you will you learn yourself I mean coaches are there to put a to draw a picture for you or to draw a structure for you um, the over coaching the over structuring of things and I might be accused a little bit of that myself at, at different <laughs> times um, is probably not the way to go it's you know and I, I, I suppose I credit him and I share a lot of that I know we're talking about a different coaching level now we're sort of talking tactical coaching rather than technical yeah um, but but you know <coughs> given the player the skills and the room and the, the confidence to be able to try these things out is, is probably the right thing to do but sometimes you've got to get down on, on, on the ground and get the basics right as well Yeah exactly and that's an important distinction between technical coaching I spoke with Paul Canark on the show here and um, he t- was saying he doesn't really have time for so much technical coaching yeah. whereas he, he he coaches the tactical coaching with formations and you know moving the ball along yeah. through the lines and I think that's a very interesting thing when people talk about coaching they're not really sure what they mean because it is very general when you say coaching you know yeah, what, what are you coaching what, what, what are you specifically talking about there yeah I'm not, I'm not surprised that actually it was Paul that said that um, look you would expect any player coming into um, inter-county level to have a very very high technical skills of all the skills in hurling and you know it, it probably in terms of your strategy within your county is that what you're doing you know are you making sure that we're providing a real high volume of, of, of quality players with high technical skills to now move into a tactical coaching um, environment and I suppose that's the distinction really going up to the adult level Woolly, and particularly for hurling because it's just you know and it should be that anyways it you should, shouldn't oh, be should bogged be down with tactical oh, coaching gosh, it should it be technical oh, coaching up be. to minor and that's I, I think so yeah and I, I think even just the maturity of the player um, to be able to take on and understand um, you know game planning and movement and creation of space and all of those things um, probably doesn't really happen until maybe you're 16 or 17 or certainly close enough to minor anyway yeah exactly Come here, this thing with the light ball has raised its head I was reading um, I think it was the exact 
examiner as well and there was obviously 30 wides in this game and it was a it was a terribly scrappy game it was a really strong wind and just wondering is has the light ball something to do with um, all the wides we know the ball is that bit lighter we know Patrick Horgan now you can either eulogise about how brilliant this is or you can say Jesus that's very far back he's, all, he's back on the 45 on the other side uh, mm. scoring now mm. so I'm wondering if you can score that far back and it's because of the light ball is there an argument to say that the ball is like a balloon in the wind and it's very hard to uh, score with a strong wind or is this just a one-off game with a load of wides and I'm reading too much? I, know, I, th- I think that game was, uh, and, and I think a lot of the people on both sides, both teams and commentators commented that there was a strong breeze. And look, it's in Galway, you're close by the sea, there's probably a strong breeze. Wexford Park's the same. There's a number of stadiums around the country that are like that, that the wind just blows. And if it's sort of going crosswind at all, crossfield at all, and some games are just like that, Woolly. You know, sometimes you have very, very low number of wides and the shot conversion is very, very high. And it just so happens on the other day that that it, it, it's the other way I think that was one of these games I think also um, bear in mind you know both teams eventually set up very defensively from the start so the space to set yourself and get the shot off and all of that was probably restricted towards other games there was a number of things there um, but I think back to the ball Willie, like I, I've, I've seen some people writing some things and whinging about these things and I, it, the, the, the design of the ball is important because if it wasn't the, they wouldn't be spending millions on the, the designs of golf balls and all of these things just to get a small these small margins are obviously very very important in golf ball and in tennis and all of this so the, the big companies wouldn't be spending that type of money if you know little redesigns and that on the ball weren't important but in the overall scheme of things, if it improves the game, speeds up the game, how the bloody hell are we whinging about these things and trying to kill some of these initiatives? Um, and I, I'd make one other comment as well. Uh, you know, you mentioned about, about uh, Patrick Horgan. The skillful players and with really good technique, um, and I'm, I'm probably relating this a little bit back to golf, you know, all the top c- golf coaches will tell you that strength in golf technique is, is, impart- is much more important than strength or anything like that and it's the same at hurling I doubt it if there is better te- technical players in my time watching hurling as many of them anyway um, you know you want to look at the bubbles you want to look at the TJ you want to look at, at Pat Horgan um, you know there's a there's a raft of those type yeah, of players Mannion from Galway Mannion two of them actually um, you know they, like they would probably be able to strike a stone that distance it didn't make a difference whether they you know <laughs> it's, a te- it's the technique of actually striking the ball and the other comment I'd make on that is that if the ball was that light and the w- wind affected it so, m- so much well if you were playing against the breeze the bloody thing would be coming back to you you know so, so I, I just don't think I think there's a lot of people just have something to say about something and I think if something is there that improves the game speeds up the game makes it more of a spectacle look let's laud it and let's move on yeah okay well yeah and the evidence of last year definitely it's it's done that for the game anyway so we won't complain about the ball anyways just to just to finish up I didn't know if you knew this but it was just brought to my attention and we know GA rules can be a little bit unusual at times that we know that extra time is a new game so even if you're down to 12 men in normal time you can go back to 15 on 15 in extra time so I think this is u- completely unique to the GEA um, but did you know that ticks actually do carry over into extra time so now I bet you didn't know that I didn't so know that. Well, you yellow know. card is wiped off your slate yeah. but a tick carries on in so just listen this is for the future future cheddar okay. just to let you know this happened uh, 
Uh, this happened in the Kildare Longford game. Uh, it was Ben McCormack. Not to bring football into the hurling show or people listening might melt yeah. uh, listening to this. Well, we wouldn't be giving away ticks anyway, <laughs> will you? So. Is there no ticks in the in the hurling? No, I'd say there'd be much more severe tick than that if they were going to give it. Um, no, I didn't know that actually. That's that's. I suppose maybe it's an anomaly. Uh, maybe there's some reason to it. I can't see it for the minute. Yeah. Um, I, I did know that the, the extra time was new game and, and uh, you know, new new rules or new team as such at that stage all right but I did know the ticks and it's an, it's an interesting one if it's if it's it should be corrected if it's an anomaly and there's no real reasoning for it I think just correct it and make it right exactly right we'll come back with some analysis Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up now because <laughs> there's no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. Um, but you didn't let Shamey talk at a, at a hurley launch one day. Yeah, but hold on a second now. He was at a hurley launch, you know. Yeah. You know, I, there's I, a media I, ban if he can't no, talk no, at that. No, absolutely not. I think you guys need to do your job. Don't depend on us guys for quotes, you know. Okay. Go ahead. Earn your living like the rest of us. But if he's at a media day and he says to the media that I'm not allowed to talk, then right. he's obviously on a ban. Well, I think he's carrying a mixed message. <laughs> So we'll focus here on Clare and Tipperary each other in part two because for me it's the big one of the weekend. Tipperary are in a weird position here, I think, Cheddar, because they've had such a brilliant start. They're playing so well. Now they have to go to Cusick Park, which is a really difficult place to go. You wouldn't be a crazy thing to see them beaten against Clare and then all of a sudden they have to beat Limerick at home to stay to make a Munster final. Isn't it, isn't mm. it crazy how quickly it can change down there? Yeah, no, it, it is all right, yeah. Uh, look, it's hugely competitive there and the home and away um, game is dependent the way they fall for you on any given year. Um, obviously makes that even a little bit more difficult. It, look, it's a real test of Tip's progress, I suppose. Yeah. And, you know, Liam will definitely be looking at it like that. I'll say, you know, he's, he's, you're going to go into a cauldron here. Um, it's not that long ago that, you know, a championship match at under six level between Tip and Clare was a bit of a cauldron. You can remember an under-21 final a couple of years, under-21 monster match a couple of years ago. And uh, there was a lot left out in the field, um, so so I, I think it'll be a real test of uh, Tip's progress, and uh, particularly I suppose their forward formation and the way they play, and it'll be also a bit of a test of uh, maybe Tip's backline uh, because you know Tip yeah. and Claire will move you around the place, and you're you're, you're going to have to do something with your backline. You cannot just go about six and six and and hope that you're going to play a zonely and mop up enough ball and deny Claire um, a win. So uh, I think from Tipperary's point of view, obviously you need to go to win a match, but they'll actually welcome this game and um, you know it'll be a serious test of their progress uh, so far I think that's the thing like because I mean, we obviously know Clare's formation is Podge Collins will be heading out around the field and he'll create an extra man in defence and then he'll try and get up and support the attack so there'll be a two man full forward line with Conlon and O'Donnell you've got Tony Kelly who's going to drop into midfield as well and he'll be doing the same as Podge he'll be in and around maybe won't do as much defensive work he'll be there free when the ball is turned over and he'll carry it so do you man mark him you know it's hard to know how to, whether you even go back that far with him and then you've Ryan and Duggan Duggan's an option for puck outs like Clare have a lovely have a lovely uh, balance to their team I think and when when you look at their different options Clare in attack right so they can go short to Tony Kelly who comes deep they could go short to Podge who goes deep then they can run it through the lines with Colin Galvin and they can you know give it in to O'Donnell in the corner they can go to Duggan long with it if they want they can run it through the lines like I was saying David Fitzgerald is a great runner with it Colin Galvin then they can go long 
into the space if they want to mm. Connellan and they usually leave a load of space on one yeah. side of O'Donnell and Connellan and they'll yeah. take turns running out into it so for me Tipperary have a lot of things more than a lot of teams to, to have to worry about and factor in tactically in this one No I absolutely agree with you Wally and uh, I suppose that's why I say uh, that it's a real uh, test of, of Tip um, and they probably don't have the type of player that you can you can uh, tactically move around the field to do a job for you um, you know their game is very much on on technical brilliance um, creation of space in a different way um, and you know hurting you from all over the field really um, but if, th- if you're closed down um, and you know you, you need to do something to neuter the opposition you know who are you going to do who, who are you going to use to do that um, because if you look at even the way Clare set up against uh, Waterford we commented on it the last day now this was forced on them maybe a little bit by Waterford but there was nearly five or six maybe seven or eight lines on the field you know if you're Tony Kelly was out in front of the half hour line Podge was, was yeah. between the half and he could have been anywhere Jack Brown was in front of the full back line and that um, so you know uh, you know, who are you going to use in the tip forward line to, to move around you know Amar Bubbles um, uh, Jason Ford Seamus Callan uh, John McGrath they're all out and out forwards they're not the type of player that you, that will sacrifice completely their game there's a very traditional structure on Tipperary still there isn't is, there yeah, now and they're brilliant yeah. at that that's correct yeah so uh, uh, that, I suppose that's what I'm sort of referring to really Willie you know w- you know, will Liam and, and Eamon and Tommy and, and that will, will they change their team to to you know maybe to to neutral what Clare are doing or will they just completely trust themselves and say well the hell with you Clare you can do what you want to do we're going to go with our game plan and we'll go for it and we'll see where, where it goes so I think it's going to be a really inter- interesting game like that the other side of it um, you know I, I said it before a couple of times that um, I'd probably like to see a little bit more um, maybe strength in the Tipperary f- uh, back line or particularly the full back line but probably the whole six really I know they played well the last day um, but in the whole six really before you'd probably put him in the, the, the driving seat for you know one of the favours to win in All-Ireland and that's going to be tested because Clare have really quick incisive forwards they've got really big air game players they've, you know as you, as you explained a minute ago Willie, they, can, they can play a number of different game plans they can play an air game they can play a ground game they can play a lot of things um, and it's definitely going to test out the Tipperary back line um, and you know it's in Ennis and um, you know Dalo and all and they just love that whole cauldron that whole atmosphere that's going to be ratcheted up another 100% now because simply it's Tipperary is coming down there I think th- I think the score now I stand corrected on this and some Tipperary listeners or Clare listeners might correct me on this but I think the score is maybe 8-2 in the last 10 years to tip um, obviously the, the game in, in Semple was a big turnaround last year where Clare turned them over um, so you know Clare have a bit of a you know they, they, whereas going down to Ennis is, you know, is a, it's a huge challenge but also Clare have a little bit of a challenge themselves to start turning this 8-2 score around over the last 10 or 11 years um, so it's, it is going to be a massive massive game and, and it's going to be really interesting tactically to see what both managements do in terms of do they just go with their own game plan and, and uh, you know go 100% to that or do, do they look at the opposition and see well what can we negate here in the opposition to give us a, a chance to win the game here. Yeah talking about Clare's home record like we mentioned this on the show before so in the last six seasons 
Clare have played 20 league and championship matches in Ennis now they only played two championship matches that's all so it'll be 18 league games two championship matches in those 20 games they only lost twice that's a fair record now that's mm. like I mean two mm. losses in 20 so there's no doubt it's a huge a huge one and the big tactical issue for Clare is going to be Bubbles because Bubbles we know has been lining out centre half forward now we know Jack Brown played centre half back the last day however it was juggled around but he just left Kearney go into midfield and co- went back covering mm. clearly can't do that with Bubbles right so often a lot of teams as we know they might drop Colin Galvin back or they'll drop a midfielder back to Mark Bubbles and whoever centre back can sweep mm. but then you're leaving Breen and Noel McGrath free and that can't be done either no, Breen yeah. scored six the last day like yes. I mean he he cleaned up um, in midfield Noel McGrath scored two but McGrath scored four against Cork like your your usual midfielders close enough you pick them up that can't really be done with tips so you're a little bit snookered there you'll have to bring a forward it'll be Podge having to get back maybe yeah and, 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 and so he's uh, a long way to go back to pick up bubbles so he probably wouldn't be doing that job would he um, well, well I think Clare um, worked this very very well I saw him play a tip down in Turles um, must be the league quarter final maybe last year or it was definitely one of those games anyway um, and they actually sent the centre back um, I think I might, I might have actually been there with Cheryl at the time I, 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 right. I could be wrong on that but they sent him out after Noah McGrath Noah McGrath's playing virtually the same um, you know method as Bubbles is playing yeah. now he'd be playing 30 yards out in front or 30 metres out in front of you and picking up they'd, they'd pick the pass out of the back line and of course he's well within his scoring range at that stage and eventually he's going to hurt you with two or three points and then you're going to have to react to that yeah. um, so so but Clare worked that well and they put a man then in centre back um, uh, to, to mop up the breaking ball and, and they were able to carry it out of the defence and of course they had runners all over the players like Tony Kelly and that to be able to pick the pass themselves coming out of the, out of the defence so they have form here and how to actually manage tip and I suppose that's what I'm just saying I, I, I'm not going to the game on Sunday but I'd actually love to see how both teams set up and how both of them there's always big players and game breaking players on each team and you know, you, you just simply cannot leave them run riot as you've explained some of the players you've explained there you know anything any more than two or three points from a player scoring in the middle in the middle third you're probably have going to react to that and do something about it if you can kill that at source uh, well then you're now forcing the opposition management to change their tactics and and uh, you know just think of that in the, for a minute you know you went through all your tactic boards before the game in the hotel or whatever the case may be and uh, that's what you have in your mind when you go out in the field and suddenly you're being turned upside down with what the opposition management do to you and now you're going to have to change and your players are less familiar with it and so on so on so on in your home ground um, so I, I'd be really really interested in looking at the game breaker players what each management do to each other yeah no definitely like I mean is the, is the running game a little <coughs> bit risky against Tip because one big change in Tipperary's um, game this year is that they're hunting they're bl- they have ratcheted up that and if that if that uh, running game breaks down bang it's into Callanan or someone like that and it's a goal do you know what I mean it showed with Cork, uh, yeah. Cork Cork couldn't get their short game going really against Tip because the, of what Tip brought to the game and they turned over a lot of ball and then gave it down and let's be honest if you're in big trouble with Tip if you're breaking down ball and you're out of position I think the last point is very important I, I probably say that you know, Cork we know now that Cork were a small little bit off colour all over the field and yeah. you know at, at the level that these boys are at they will just they'll, they'll hammer you as uh, uh, you know very very quickly um, I think just you know technically what do you do well you know 
the precision of the pass and where you put it and the movement of the players in the forward line you know you you are going to pass the ball to handle the space you are going to retain possession so the turnover you know shouldn't happen as easily as that but teams will protect themselves as well um, so the interchange will say maybe between 5 and 10 or the interchange between 7 and 12 um, you know y- your 7 may may give and go and take the pass again and move up the field whereas you, you will see a 10 and this is what Limerick do to an extent you will see 10 coming back then and filling the space so they do protect themselves against the turnover now you need a very athletic team and a, and a savagely rehearsed team to do all of that but teams would and Clare in particular have been doing that and been doing it under Davy for a number of years and they're well they're you know they're well schooled in how to handle these things and and um, you know being able to protect themselves from against turnovers and that. Yeah. So how do Tip handle Podge Collins and Tony Kelly then, based on the players they're going to have? Like it's not in Tip's DNA to. Well, it is actually. They might try and free up Paddy Mar. Will they? And that's the obvious thing to do. So one of one of Podge or Tony will be let go, and Paddy Mar will be freed up. Would that be fair? Um, it's it's difficult. That's the point I was sort of making earlier on. When you know, when you look at the players around the field, you know, are you going to send Noel McGrath um, after Tony Kelly or something like that? No, you're not, because he just isn't that type of player. You're hoping you're hoping that Noel McGrath will become your Tony Kelly. Yeah. Um, and then when you move a little bit back, you know, Brendan Maher has played midfield. You know, will you delegate Brendan Maher to pick up the likes of him so he actually man marks him around the field? And you might actually sacrifice maybe a forward to do that uh, for a period of the game. You know, while while you turn them over. Um, so Tip have some players to do that um, and particularly Brendan Maher um, certainly can do that role for you um, and you know bear in mind Tony Kelly is out in the middle of the field a good little bit but he's also then punches holes in your defence you need an athletic good tackler uh, good defender very patient very resilient player and you know I'm just looking at Brendan Maher he fits all of those things yeah, uh, very but with easy. a savage engine too because Tony uh, Kelly doesn't stop does he like he wears play, he wears opponents down he does he does um, Wooly, but there has been a lot of games when Tony himself has become very frustrated um, by doing an awful lot of movement but not getting enough possession and you know he sort of uh, has a huge amount of mobility around the field but not enough productivity out of the work that he does and then he gets frustrated and the next time you see him is on his own 14 metre line or 21 metre line he's going back too far the field well look you're going you're happy enough to leave him there he's not going to hurt you back there you'll pick him up again coming up along the field um, so so you know a, um, a resilient intelligent player on Tony if you can sacrifice him and if you have that type of player and I've just mentioned one um, could certainly turn the tables on the likes of Tony and and uh, you know get him very frustrated by just simply not getting on enough ball and you know not enough productivity coming out of what he's doing Yeah no exactly so how do you see this one going then I suppose Clare have the have Shanahan on the bench who gives them another, another option if they did want to go maybe route one on the tip full back line you know like I, I say kind of the way you're saying like the Tipperary half back line won't like to be dragged around the way now we said that against Cork as well and they managed that fairly well we don't know if Cork were off colour that day but Clare definitely are going to give them something to think about and they're going to drag them out of that traditional shape that they so so mm. like mm. how do you see it going? Uh, look I, I just think um, for those reasons I think to have a big physical presence in the forward line I think if you do go along against Tip they traditionally like to play that or back like to play that and are very very good at it and if you look at what Cork done, you know, coming down the straight in that game, that's what they sort of did. They went, they went route one, looking for goals, obviously, and sort of tip mopped it up. But I think even if Clare went route one against them, there'd be a fair challenge there, uh, you know, in terms of that air game. Yeah. And I just think that the game is in is in Ennis. You know, the statistics that you you quoted, you know, you cannot ignore them. Even though on the other side of that, uh, the number the number of times tip have turned them over is a lot as well. Um, and I just think that. Um, 
I thought Clare, I suppose, were sort of lucky to get out of Waterford the last day, Woolley, to be honest with you. Um, but they were the better team for But they were the better team. Certainly, yeah. they certainly deserved to win the match. But it was a little bit worrying that they had control of the game and didn't didn't just choke the match and get out of there. And, you know, we're sort of left hanging on a little bit, really, at the finish of it. Um, so that's a small little bit worrying. But I just think that the energy levels and the emotion and the hype and all of that around Ennis um, in this game will be as high as, as you'll find in any sporting event anywhere in the world and I think they will rise to that and I do think that Clare will get out I don't think there'll be much in it and that surprised me because Tipperary have been very very impressive very very impressive but that's what we're saying about the Munster Championship it can change mm. so bloody fast 224 mm. from play against uh, Cork and 224 from play against Tip and we're both going to tip against them yeah it's incredible that we are actually Willie. Yeah. yeah I agree with you yes yeah okay and, so I'll and I'd say I do have a little some concerns you know not I don't want to be just beating a drum here because I've said it a number of times and a few other people have said it as well a little bit of concern about the tip back line particularly when it gets into Croke Park um, and it's moved around the field that I have a little bit of concern that little creek um, and, and, and that but look they are serious All-Ireland contenders both of them are and you know after after the weekend, you might very well say, depending regardless of who wins it, these two teams are now the favourites for the All Ireland. They may very well be. Yeah, they might be. Just quickly, actually, just that I've thought of it. I was thinking they might free up Paddy Mar as the spare man and let Podge go. But would he not be perfectly suited for Duggan? We didn't talk about Duggan's aerial threat for puckouts, or would Ronan Mar potentially be the one to pick him up? But look, it, it is interesting. Look, Ronan Mar is well equipped to manage him, and, and Duggan is a fair handful for anybody. You know, it wouldn't make any difference who it was. He's a fair handful. Um, but Podimar is definitely the man you would try and free up, and has you know Liam has done that any time he could do it because the precision of the pass and he's, and the pass to space and all of that. You know, he's a long range passer, um, and particularly with the quality of forwards you have inside. You would be trying to free up Polymar if you could, um, over Ronan or even over Brendan. And Tip, of, uh, generally speaking, try, try to do that. But I'd be gobsmacked if if Claire allowed that to happen. Um, yeah. So, so Podge will go deep, but not too deep that leaves Poddy completely free. He'll mm. he'll kind of half bluff them. He'll be back in the forwards. He'll be marked, and now he's going back, and now he's going forwards. So a full time sweeper makes it easy for Tip to free up Polymar, yeah. whereas Podge won't make that's, it easy for correct. that to happen. Yeah. yeah. The moving around the place, he'll just engage him the whole time, and even if he's not engaging him uh, you know you might very well uh, see Duggan just stepping in on Paddy Marr and, 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 and saying well look I'm going to I'm going to engage you before I'm going to engage Ronan here there'll be a lot of little subplots like yeah, that throughout the game that I would suspect that uh, you know both managements have gone through if these things happen and you know the what ifs I suppose you're, you're, you're dealing with here here's how we'll handle it yeah exactly so Paddy Power have cleared 6-5 to five slight outsiders at home in Fortress Cusick Park Tipperary slight favourites at 10-11 to 11. we're both going for Clare then Cheddar that's it I think uh, you know there's obviously going to be it's the cliche Slightly. game there's nothing in this yeah. but, but just based on the game in Clare and the importance of it and you know the emotional context of this game for Clare people um, you, you know doesn't need me to explain this but the whole Clare hurling public you know is all along the channel border with Tip um, and North Tip there you know so there's a serious local rivalry going on here and, and uh, you know Dragon Tipperary across Dennis um, you know Clare people won't let him out of there easy I can tell you they won't ok we'll come back with Paddy Power predictions Let's chill the beans There still is a lot of work to be done yet Just give us a small bit of time Just give us a small bit of time Let's chill the beans But I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit 
Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Okay, Cheddar, Paddy Power predictions. Um, we'll start with Waterford Limerick. So this is in Walsh Park. Waterford are 23 to 10. Limerick are 4 to 9. So you get Waterford two over 2 to 1 at home in Walsh Park, which we were all talking about being a fortress. But the interesting thing about this is Limerick and analysing what they're going to do after a loss. Now, there's two ways of looking at this. And it's anticipated that John Kiley is going to make some personnel switches to his team. And this is what I want to talk to you about. So this is a quote from John Kiley. <coughs> the guys that didn't play the last day have put their best foot forward in terms of looking for inclusion this weekend and you would expect that anyways so he's hinting a little bit there and it was John Fogarty in the examiner that's saying it's anticipated that he's going to make several positional changes now is that knee jerk now I would I would expect Porrick Fanning to make a lot of changes because he's two games to work on that didn't work out Limerick had an off day like the the analysis of last year and so far in the league has been that this team is outstanding they've every box ticked surely that team deserve one more game before there's a load of personnel switches or can one game just completely rip the script and maybe pick pick new players um, I, I don't think you'll rip the script Wooly but um, this is ruthless and it yeah. has to be ruthless and it's too late on Sunday evening if you find out that you're not ruthless um, and you're going on your gut instinct here but you're also going what you're seeing in the training field and sometimes players, even great players, can go a little bit stale really quickly and, and, and they can come back into form again three or four weeks down the line. And I suppose the, the, you know, the, the, the great managers in any sport spot that and they're able to you know, spot and fix, I suppose, is, is, is the saying. They're able to fix these things and, uh, and push the team on again. It's a, and, and, and more where John's going here because you know you cannot just say everything's all right everything's not all right when you've, when you've performed you know I didn't say they don't think they performed poorly but they certainly weren't at the standard that they were but if it was a psychological thing where maybe they believe their own hype that's fixable right in the in the couple of weeks and the kick in the arse and the embarrassment of the performance should they, do they deserve one more go and then change them all or do should you just be ruthless like you oh, said oh no you've got to be ruthless right. you don't have time um, yeah you, you don't have a second chance there's no second chances here you know we can't say on one hand that the Munster Championship is doggy dog and on the other hand saying oh, that's alright we have a second chance you don't um, but I think what John is saying he, he, you need to follow if you say something judicious like that to your team well you need to bloody well follow through on it and uh, you know if you say um, and I think he was measured in what he said you know he said that that, that uh, you know people that are working on the panel are really putting themselves in the shop window here to grab a jersey but you know something the other lads are after raising their game here as well um, so you need to be careful what you say to the team and what you're going to say to the, uh, so on so on and you need to back up what you say because these are serious serious statements one thing Willie that, uh, that I, I'm very interested in is I just thought that last year um, and I've commented on this maybe last week as well I thought Seamus Seamus Flanagan is not the the, the um, 
um, glory by hurler of, of Limerick hurling uh, what am I trying to say here he's not, not the most technically skillful um, and so on so on of Limerick hurling and he probably never will be and in my view last year he was the most important player that they had um, he's the real glue about how their system works and I was surprised now he may be injured I don't know and you don't know enough of what's going on in the camp so I'll qualify what I'm saying here is there could be anything he could have just lost form he could be injured there could be a whole lot of pilot things going on here with which he's not getting a, getting a start but certainly the majority of things last year whether it was the off the ball stuff that was going on and by that I mean the decay running and that um, or the the link play that was going on or his position on the field was the most important thing now people spoke about the two wing backs moving back and the m- movement of Gillan and the place in the Gillan the freeing up of it and, and so on and so on the person who facilitated almost all of that was Seamus Flanagan and I was just surprised that he had lost his place and I just thought that you know did did uh, um, Paul and, and, and the lads did, did they think well look let's just we need to come with something, something different and yeah. they do that too I absolutely agree with that so I, I think the, the, that's going to be an important one yeah. um, He set the tone for the whole team Flanagan yes did. did and even his tackling and his yes work rate uh, never mind Absolutely his movement he, he did I thought he set yeah. the tone completely for them in the forwards anyway yeah. and he wasn't a marquee player is the word I, I, no. I couldn't think of a minute, a minute ago um, I, I think just back to look this is not dissimilar to Cork you, you, you didn't become bad overnight but you do need to raise all you know it might be just 2% in everything um, in terms of the overall performance of the team there, in other words there wasn't a complete functions failure of the team or anything like that no. that you needed to go away it, and you, it, didn't, it, you don't need open heart surgery in the team that's the thing see remember Cork like Tim O'Matney clearly didn't have a good game and there were, the few changes were obvious for Cork whereas Limerick just had a general you know, mm. a poor performance from all of them below the standard, really. Uh, and I'd probably, Willie, disagree with you a little bit on that. I, I think if Tim Mahoney was there the last day, they would have still won the match. Um, I don't think Mark Ellis, you know, he played well, but did he, would he have played any better? I think just Cork simply, all over the field, raised their game individually and collectively as a team and just overran Limerick. Now, Limerick have the ability to do the same thing. So I, I'd be surprised if if uh, John Kiley, you know, made any serious knee-jerk reactions and made big serious statements about dropping five or six players. I'd be surprised if that was the case. I would think that collectively within the team, they'd be working on the mindset. Let's get the mindset right here. We've got to work much harder all over the field at doing the key things within our game plan. And if we do, we'll be all right. Um, now, if that's not happening, of course, you've got to make some changes then. And you've got to be ruthless in these things. Yeah, exactly. So Waterford, the talk is Waterford are going to bring Brick Walsh back in for his 75th uh, championship match possibly at full forward so he played full forward there years and years ago I think when he started off he might have played full forward back when Cork were the big rivals with those brilliant matches but uh I don't know like I mean Fanning's in the stage where he has to change something now like I mean there's no doubt about that I don't think Kevin Moran at wing back works he tried Brick Walsh out in the backs if you're at 34, 35, Cheddar, you can't be chasing a lad around. It's the other end of the field you finish out your career. You, don't, you definitely don't finish your career coming back into the defence. That's I think, is a big mistake. Kevin Moran's going to have to go out of wing back. Um, maybe Kieran Bennett is, is can come back in there. And Brick Walsh, if he's playing, has to be in the forwards too. Because for me, Moran, a big one, for, and I've mentioned this on the show, maybe not to you, Moran is their leader. Moran is the man that stands up and is counted. And now he doesn't do that anymore because he's chasing a lad around and he's worried about that and he's just become just another another player you know Morris Shanahan mm. could potentially come in but uh, the point I'm trying to make is if Brick came in Morris Shanahan came in now they have a, a big air threat he's going to have to change what he's done the first two games because they uh, that hasn't worked 
Would that be fair? He, it's it's time for him to start thinking. I, I think, I think, I think Parr, you, yeah. you know, will change some things around. Um, and look, he's a strong panel here. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not just trying things here. A lot of these players are proven and tested in, in big games. Um, incidentally, he'll be listening. He'll be missing Philip Mahoney anyway. So he's going to have to yeah. make a change back there anyway. Well, Kieran Bennett could come in there for him. T- true. Um, I, I do think you know you, you say Kevin Moran like your your key players you need to put them in the position that are going to influence the game most and that could very well be from half back if you were playing um, carry ball out of the, the defence and ultimately you were the half back is the player that's in you know it could be long range shooting or something like that you you know the half back then could be in the influencing area but at the minute it didn't look like that and I do agree with you um, you know I think he would have more influence maybe in the middle of the field at the, at the minute um, but look uh, Waterford are at home um, they had a fair go off of Clare the first day and you know made that a very very competitive game and didn't look like it for a long time um, and they were you know they were sort of caught out a little bit by the, maybe by the way Claire set up um, you know they're definitely going to know Limerick well I would think whether they'll be able to handle the way Limerick play or not now will, 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 will be seen but they have a very very strong team and probably if they just get one win um, uh, you know at the weekend they could very well set them up four pints could put you in a great shape here for Munster or at least could make it you know put, there could be a lot of teams on those pints the way you know the way teams are, are, are shedding pints here so nothing you know the, 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 the year is not lost in Waterford this game is just still so important to them No they're not completely out of it and I suppose Walsh Park in that a tight pitch Limerick won't get the space and that middle third will be a battleground and we know that Limerick didn't really like that against Cork or Dublin so you'd imagine Waterford need to bring it down into the yeah. trenches in that area and get the home crowd behind them and get I wouldn't completely rule Waterford out, out, out of the game but they definitely need to show they definitely need to move things around if, if, if you see Waterford lining up similar to the last two games I'd be disappointed with that you know yeah, I, think I, I, I think they do need to come maybe well, yeah, I do agree with you with you know, maybe a different game plan but I, I'd probably say that the, the certainly the day against um, Clare you know, both teams were probably reacting to one another in terms of the way they set up it was unusual um, to see so many lines of players on the field uh, let's put it that way um, Look, Waterford has some players, you know, they've, they've Shane Fives, um, Curran, Prendergast, uh, you, you mentioned um, Shanahan there as well, and Bennett, like that. These are serious, serious championship players uh, with, with good pedigree. Um, you know, so replacing them, they're all, they could be a game breaking player, and certainly Mara Shanahan's been a game breaker player in the, in the past. Um, you know, so I think what, what would be important for Waterford if they could get out. Um, I know we all look for a good start but look get a good start with a number of pints on the board and get, get a toe hole in the game um, because I think to have some big competitive players to be able to handle the height and the physicality of Limerick particularly particularly their forwards and that um, so I think if they did then it could be very very interesting I think if Limerick uh, you know gain control of the game fairly early I think it'll be difficult I think Limerick will up their game um, they have to because they've got to get back to the performance levels that they had last year and you know will they do a Cork on it then will it be will it be very very high intensity um, with things working for them and if they get ahead of Waterford um, you know will they push on from there so I think it's really important that Waterford really go for go for this game from the very very start and make themselves you know force themselves on the game you know get ahead get the Waterford crowd behind them and then really have a go at it from there yeah okay so who are you going for in this one then twenty three to ten Limerick four to nine. Um, look, you'd, you'd have to say Limerick um, on performance, and particularly the league final in that as well. Um, I, I, I'll put it this way to you: if if um, 
if Limerick had played well the last day, I'd be more concerned about it. I think they've got the kick in the pants. Um, I think the the performance in the league final, and if they had won the last day, um, you know, would have might have lulled them into a little bit of a sense of false security. I don't think you'll see that. I think they'll really be up for this. And I think you know their performance in the league final against Watford and that. I you know I, you'd expect them to come out on top here. But I, I I said it a number of times this year. I think it may take Watford you know a year just to find new ways of playing and that. And you know you will not just turn these things around in a year um, so it'll take a little bit of time and it might take another little bit of time before they'll, they'll get the best out of the current team in the way that they're actually currently playing OK I'll go against the grain there and go for Waterford in the tight ground and maybe Limerick to lose two in a row because we expected Tipperary to turn it around last year and they never, <laughs> and they never did mm. but you never know OK Carlo is the next one 7-1 to one, Dublin or 1-10 to 10. this is in Dr Cullen Park um, a lovely quote from Conlon Bonner here Cheddar so this is what he said he said we can't be ruled out of it yet because we have a home game and then an away game to Wexford so Dublin will be under savage pressure to get the two points on board to get their championship back on mode two things there which was brilliant number one not ruling himself out of getting into the Leinster final or moving on which is fantastic um, that's a brilliant brilliant attitude to have and then to throw a little bit of pressure onto Dublin who badly need points on the board so well played Colin Bonner on board <laughs> in just that one sentence he played a blinder yeah no, Colin um, was, was quite clever in that it's a real banana skin for, skin for Dublin um, Woolly when you look back at the games between Dublin clubs and Carlo clubs and when you look back there was a number of years ago there I think Carlo beat with under 21 in Dr. Colin Park they're a completely different animal in, in Dr. Colin Park there'll be a big crowd there um, and and the fear factor they had against Kilkenny won't be there against no, Dublin no it won't and they've definitely targeted this game Woolly from from way back they've, they've certainly targeted they, they knew going to Galway was going to be a tough one you'd say the performance was good there um, they were caught by the pace of the hurling I think um, um, one of the lads actually said at the last day at the start of the game against Kilkenny but they acquitted themselves quite well in the second half and I can tell you no Kilkenny team will take the foot off the gas yeah. they won't be allowed to do that One eleven to 13 they won the second half yeah, and look, that's that's incredible. It's good going, yeah, yeah, it's an incredible statistic, and you know, great credit due to him, and great credit to column to, to keep the confidence in the players at half time and 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 uh, to put out that performance in the second half, and. Uh, it, look, if Waterford sets themselves up in a certain way that frustrates the way Dublin play and the game is tight, uh, you know, and, and Dublin have to win this, Woolly. You know, they've they, they drew the last day, lose this, and are they, are they gone out of Leinster? They probably are. Um, you know, so it's a real banana skin, I think, for Dublin. And, you know, teams can get a little bit nervous and things like that. I hate the saying that Carlo have nothing to lose because of the, the very same amount to lose as Dublin have to lose. I hate that saying. Um, but. I'd say what I, I might say what you said. A Carl can play with no fear here and really go for it. And they have enough quality. I, 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 I you'd have to give it to Dublin based on uh, you know the league performances and and a number of other things. Um, but I, I think this is going to be very very close and it wouldn't surprise me if Carlo just snuck out of there with a pint to be honest with you Wow and like I mean the one concerning thing I remember last year Offaly played really well against uh, Kilkenny in the opening game and then I think they performed well against Galway maybe and then in the third game they came a cropper against Dublin and then got hammered against Wexford and I was just wondering would that be a similar situation with Carlo pretty much using the same first 15 now I know they got a two week break which mm. would be a big thing which mm. Offaly didn't get last year which was unfortunate so I don't know if that would play anything yeah. into it I, I think there's a difference though well certainly the current Carlo team are better than the Offaly team first of all and right. at the end of the day the quality of your team matters here but I think the second thing that really matters here I think from way out 
Carla would probably be targeting this game and it probably has fell for them a little bit as well you know Dublin be beaten in the first game although it played brilliantly for, for 45 minutes and then drawing the last day has probably you know sharpened the focus for Carlo in this game and, and um, I think they're going into this game you know they're going in to try and win it not just to, yeah. quit, to quit themselves oh, I'd say well they are, I'd say you're right they looked at those fixtures and went Kilkenny Galway right well mm. Dublin Wexford are arguably now whether they wouldn't have talked about this in a meeting but potentially mm. their management might have talked yes. about this that potentially the second two games are two games we could potentially win so that Dublin one is massive at home to get that rolling Yes it is look all known form and and so on and so on would suggest that Dublin would win it and they sort of have to win it um, but I think that'll go out the window particularly again home venue Carlo crowd behind them and particularly if they stay in, if, if they're you know if they do like they did against Kilkenny and concede a lot of scores earlier on well then it'll be difficult for them to do but if they're in the game and they're scoring point for point um, it will be very interesting in the second half OK so you're going for a Dublin win but definitely you don't think by too much No I, I wouldn't uh, certainly I wouldn't be going with the odds that's been quoted on you OK right last one and then uh, Cheddar is the Joe McDonough Cup uh, round three incredibly Offaly are back in the mix in this so I kind of mentioned this to Brian on Monday but he's obviously involved in the team and didn't want to get too too much into it he just, I think he kind of answered another question when I said that to him but that Kerry result throws this wide open now four points can potentially get Offaly into, into a final that's based on uh, Leash winning all their games mm. you know and then everybody else being left on fo- or Kerry Offaly and Westmead potentially being left on four points No that that's true um, that situation could arise um, but you know I don't think Offaly um, will be looking at it like that it'll just take it at the game in time the, the importance of this game for Offaly is massive Um you know, even winning the game may not be enough for you. Um, you know, so you've got to take it one game at a time. It was interesting to hear Joachim um, make the comments about spirit and that, and probably in the time available to them, there's only a small amount of things you can do. Certainly, that's one of the things: re-energize the team, get spirit back into the team. I think they've got some players back. You might need to restructure the team a little bit, uh, but you certainly are not going to change the way they're going to play and all of that. And and you know, a spirit and that type of stuff wouldn't be enough long term for this for the Alfie team. They yeah. need to be looking at an awful lot of other. But in the time available, you've got to focus on you know you've got to focus on the the things that's that's going to give you the, give you the biggest uh, the Pareto effect I suppose we'd call it in project management the the things that's going to give you the biggest kick on the day and they are definitely that. Um, so, uh, but, but bear in mind like that Antrim have two pints on the board as well at home and and um, I was at them their game with Leash and you know Leash looked um, you know much more comfortable in the scoreline but yet left Antrim hanging it and you know Antrim had a chances of a couple of goals that day that could have made it you know much much tighter and much closer um, and you know they've, they've, they've seem to have stabilised and got a settled team together in that um, so look that it's not a foregone conclusion for Offaly at all and, and even if they win it it's, it could be still tough on them to actually survive on the flip side of that they could very well get into a Joe McDonough final as well that's you know? the thing and look even I'm just after saying Leash could win all their games sure like I mean like we said with Tipperary Leash are after getting a great start but it wouldn't be crazy for Leash to go away to Kerry and lose and then have to beat Westmead even to get into the final like it, I, I, it's I, a fantastic competition I know and yeah. this is not said in a patronising way it's mm. any team can beat anything Antrim have mm. beaten Kerry who've beaten Westmead you know who Leash have beaten <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, or who um, who Kerry have beaten and they're all capable of beating each other and like it, they are tough calls all of these uh, predictions No I absolutely agree with that Willie um, I, I think the look it's a good competition in the sense that you know you're playing teams broadly similar in ability to yourself um, the real concern I have with all of that um, you know I'm just the one who keeps saying that but um, if 
if a competition like that, and the same thing is going to happen in the football here, if you're going to put in a secondary competition, the objective of that secondary competition is to improve counties to a certain ability to be able to play at the top level. Or is it just simply to have a secondary competition? Because they're two very, very different strategies. And well, for me, it looks like it's just to give them a competition at oh, their without level. A doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. Because if it wasn't, the, you, you would see a comprehensive development plan in those counties. And you're going back to the point, to be forced to put some stuff on TG4 and, and replay it on TV and all of that probably illustrates it quite clearly where the, you know where people's um, heart is in this. Um, but anyway, look, let's not let, let's not drift a little bit away. The, the importance of the game for Offaly is massive. Well, it probably is for Antrim. Antrim have two points, uh, of course, already. A win from Antrim puts them in great right position. Right back in the mix, yeah. Yes, yeah. Right, right back in the mix. Who do you fancy then? Offaly are four to nine. Fairly strong favourites. I wouldn't have them at four to nine based on the pressure they're under. And Antrim are 21 to 10. So two to one and Antrim away. Whether they don't travel well, maybe probably that's down to that. Who do you fancy here? I think Antrim have a decent enough actual... Um, and bear in mind they've been in leash recently as well, you know. So so it's you know, they're they're well used to that journey as such. Um I, I just think that um I you know I fancied awfully against against Westmead and they this they seriously didn't show spirit that day and like when you don't have that you're really having a chance. But, uh, you know, when you flip that over, you know, are they going to, you know, give something now for a new management? You would expect that they would. So the competition on every single ball, the competitiveness on every single ball needs to be, you know, needs to be blood and bone stuff. And if they have that, they probably have some forwards that can do damage inside. Um, but it'll all really hinge on how they'll react to, you know, what has happened um, and, you know, whether they take you know, a responsibility really for where they are and really push on from there. You can't do a huge amount in terms of game planning and tactical planning and, and restructuring your team and that. You'll only be able to do a small bit on that. So it's all down to really the mindset of the Offaly players. You know, are they willing to really put the body on the line on every single ball right throughout the game for 75 minutes or, or two hours or however long it will take? If that's the mindset, I sort of fancy Offaly to win it. Okay. Alright, I'll go with Offaly as well. Right, that's brilliant stuff. Cheddar, we'll leave it there. We'll be back with Patrick from Paddy Power. Patrick from Paddy Power, how's it going? Not too bad, Colin, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Um, come here, we're going to start with My Accumulator. So do you want to tell the people about My Accumulator? I hope they're still believing in me despite my poor enough start. Uh, yeah, this is the week now, we're 100% <laughs> sure. This, the, the, the tide has to turn and we're hoping to give the punches back at some of their hard-earned I've for the gone, last couple I've, of weeks. I've gone for short enough odds this week, so... Yeah, so um, you've gone for Lynn McClare and Dublin minus eight to win. So that was five to one on the site, probably just a little bit below five to one. So we're going to enhance that to 11 to two this week. Okay, very good. You're not enhancing it by an awful lot now. That's not very... Uh, uh no, but this is the one that's going to win, you see. We can see <laughs> into the future. You know, this and one's it's w- getting up. I wouldn't mind. Cheddar's just totally turned me off. Um, he's totally turned me off the Dublin minus eight one. He thinks Carla will, could potentially get a draw there. But anyways, that's it. Uh, that's it now any specials then for the weekend or anything you want to tell me about yeah so we've the three favourites as well on Sunday Tip Limerick and Dublin they're going to be fairly popular they already have been to be honest um, that was 2-1 to one, just under 2-1 to one. we're going to enhance that to 9-4 to four as well um, Aaron Gillen and Jamie Callan both to score a goal Callan's already got one he's already got two I think this this uh, season and Gillen obviously scored in the league final against um, Watford so we're going to enhance that to 11-2 to two. and one we did a couple of weeks ago with Bubbles and um, Shamey Harnady we're going to do John O'Dwyer and Graham McKay both to score 10 or more points between them in either game uh, and that's going to be 8-1 to one. OK very good um, on, the, on the actual match odds 
Tipperary slight favourites is an interesting one considering Clare's unbelievable home record. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, what you try what you try and quantify as an odds compiler really is like everyone talks about what Ennis Fortress Ennis and how much is it worth. So I actually went through it a little bit this week to try and see what it was worth. And if you looked from the league and championship from the start to seventeen. You can see that the difference between Clare's score and average, they've scored 25 points um, in all their home games and their average in their away games has been only 20 points. But if you actually look at their winning margin in that time, there's a huge difference. So they've won on average in league and championship for the last two and a half years. They've won their uh, their average winning margin is five points. If you compare that to their away matches, it's actually minus nearly four points. Right. So like... The, where people go on about how much of an advantage Ennis is like it really really is going to be a massive um, advantage to them it has been a massive advantage to them and if you look at Tip as well like the interesting thing about, thing about Tip in the last two years is that when Tip beats you you kind of you really know you're dead if, that's, <laughs> if I can well, 224 way, you know? from playing both the first two games is sensational that's exactly it and like if you look back you, you have to go back to the Galway game in 2016 to see a game that they've won by either a point or two points so they've drawn games and they've absolutely annihilated teams so like they've beaten in the in eight games they've beaten teams by double figures in that time and they've drawn two matches so like if Tipper are going to beat you they're going to hammer you but the thing is if you look at Clare and if Clare still in that game with we'll say 15 minutes 10 minutes left with that crowd in Ennis it's really going to get on top of tip and it's going to be very interesting because the, the last thing that would, the last three All-Ireland Champions have proved that you're going to have to win at least one game coming through the Championship by a point or two points um, and it's going to be interesting to see when really hot under the collar um, you know how, how mentally strong tip are Yeah anything else jumping out at you or will we move move on Yeah there was um, Shane O'Donnell was very very impressive considering he he'd, he missed out on a lot of hurling uh, he was first goal of the 8-1 to one, I thought he was uh, very interesting and one guy I think is going to have a huge game in the championship and I hope it's this Sunday is Jermyn Ryan um, he's a really 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 strong young talent um, he's 20 to 1 for man of the match with us so he's he's going to click someday and I think hopefully it'll be Sunday 20 to 1 for man of the 20 match 20 to 1 for man Jeez, of the that's match a great, that's a great price then because he looked, he looked in good form in the game against uh, Waterford definitely he looked fresh um, anything in Offaly Antrim Offaly you've got them in strong favourites despite the the massive pressure they're feeling yeah that's right and Offaly they, they, they've been pretty popular like everything that's coming out of the Offaly camp obviously you have um, Brian Carroll off, off this show and you, you'd wish him the best but the lads and Joachim and Kelly like they really seem to have hit the ground running anything that we've heard coming out Offaly is really really strong um, half time full time they're 10 to 11 but you can get them to win by 4 to 6 points at around 9 to 2 they're expecting a really big performance and I heard Jurak and Kelly on Midlands Radio there and it was like a, a rallying war cry you know it was, and it was nearly like uh, Braveheart or something like that <laughs> he was t- trying to tell the people of Offaly to come out and support them and stuff like that and they're still 10 to 1 to win the Joe McDonough outright they're going to have to have a couple of um, results go their way but if we believe what we're hearing coming out of the camp then I think um, yeah I, I, I think you're going to see a, a measured improvement from Offaly in this game Okay what's that half time full time price? Half time full time it's 10 to 11 Okay so that's not a bad one Yeah, That's yeah, definitely not definitely a bad one definitely a decent shot Alright Patrick we'll leave it there we'll be back on Monday and the aforementioned Brian Carroll I'm sure will be here with us um, then so we'll talk to you then Good luck And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. 
but it's harder to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.